Welcome to another episode of the official DigiMarkCon podcast. Here's some of the latest top-voted keynotes, panels, and masterclasses from recent DigiMarkCon digital marketing, media, and advertising conferences worldwide. Get ready to gain insight into emerging strategies, the latest trends, and best practices from industry thought leaders and experts to move your business, brand, or agency to the next level. So welcome to my topic. I'll be speaking about the evolution of the brand manager and a little bit of background about me. Um, I started my career in marketing 10 years ago and I graduated from uh, Singapore Management University and I did my master's in sales and marketing, uh, specializing in sales and marketing in IE Business School. And frankly speaking, 10 years ago, I did have the option to also do a specialization in digital marketing but I didn't end up taking it. Many of you will ask why, but probably it was because of the fear of the unknown. Nobody knew at that time how big digital marketing was going to get. But then again, if you gave me the option like to go back in time 10 years ago, would I have chosen digital marketing? But then again, I'm also thankful for the experiences that I've gained in the brand management scheme of things. Anyway, I'm really lucky that I started working uh, 10 years ago. It made me resilient to change and it gave me the space to be bolder. And it gave me the space to ask questions and to actually ask uh, and, and, and to actually um, you know, befriend my media partners. And I've seen the change overnight uh, from the shift towards the need of evolution. And I've been part of this from the very beginning. So I'm Rikia. I'm the, uh, currently I'm the regional category marketing manager um, for Southeast Asia managing Enfamil. Uh, which is an, an infant milk formula brand uh, for Reckitt. So the thing is that, you know, over, over the space of 10 years, just 10 years, you can probably say that, you know, I'm kind of the person who saw life before internet and after internet. And this is the life that I'm portraying to you that I have seen life before digital marketing and after digital marketing. And it's, and it's very, very fresh in my mind. So gone are the days when planning a campaign was just about TVCs, it was just about point of sale materials. It was just about print. The, the thing is that when I was a junior brand manager in Sensodyne, that was the entire thing that we mainly focused on. And digital marketing budget was probably just 10%. And it was just a nice to have. It wasn't something that was crucial. And I've seen it all. And currently as my category marketing manager role, I've seen the way things are evolving so fast. And the thing is, industries like FMCGs and FMCHs, which, is, which are consumer healthcare companies, are investing behind to, you know, to like start filling the knowledge gaps that are there within the marketing team so that we can also evolve. As I mentioned, throughout my career, I've seen a lot of changes. Traditional marketings earlier were force-fitting TV advertisements on YouTube, you know, and digital ROIs were met with complete skepticism. Management woke up and started talking about digital marketing much later. And the thing is, I myself did a digital marketing only campaign back in 2018 when I was doing Panadol Cold and Flu. And that too, I was only left to do digital marketing because a bigger brand took my money, took my TV money. So I was left with just doing digital marketing. And the thing is, at that time, I remember one of the top bosses in the region was not happy with that 
and they basically said that this campaign does not have a life. So you know what, whatever money you have, just make the best do of it. But two to three months later, he was proven wrong because digital marketing alongside with targeted ads really gave him a fresh new perspective as well. And look at us now, the pandemic has changed us all. To think, to think that baby boomers are, are using e-commerce apps, to think that Generation X, they're using Facebook and WhatsApp to communicate and to, and to like, you know, communicate and like follow brands, et cetera. That is a very big change for us. And the thing is the pandemic has opened up a pool of consumers even wider than millennials and Generation Z. So one cannot wait for more than 30 minutes in order to wait for a delivery. The time is now and the consumer behavior has changed. So there's no turning back at all. Now, um, I would like to take your focus into what traditional marketing core values are. <clears throat> the thing is that brand mission, like what does the brand stand for? How it's poised up to like serve to your consumers. Traditional marketeers are constantly working towards brand building and brand valuation and making sure that the core brand personality remains intact. Consumer journey is important to pin down. The consumer funnel is extremely important when it comes to deciding how to message, when to message. Because then again, you know, it's all dependent on where they are in the consumer funnel. Are you looking at awareness? Are you looking at post-purchase? Are you talking to a first-time consumer? Are you talking to a loyal consumer? So tonality of the brand must be kept consistent throughout the journey so that the brand personality remains intact. And that is something that a traditional marketing uh, marketeer like really, really uh, appreciates and follows. The other thing is that tracking where the feedback came from, um, exercising the same tonality and the look and feel across platforms is something that's very, very important. The brands that I've worked for in my past life have been Panadol, Sensodyne, and now Enfamil, and they've been around for multiple decades. And the thing is, marketeers within this realm work really hard to ensure that the brand guidelines are met. We use semiotics, we use other kinds of research to make sure that our technology is up to date, our design trends are up to date. We also, we also use social listening as a tool so that you know, we can always kind of influence ourselves to change when the future comes. And the future came and hit us hard during the pandemic. And that is why what we did was that through social listening, we found that immunity was something that every brand was looking at. And that is when we used our existing ingredients within our infant milk formula, and we spoke about immunity claims. And the same thing what we did was that we also rolled out immunity-based products that would cater to the, to the moms that were looking for immunity-based supplements in the US. Storytelling mediums were different for traditional marketeers, and the same holds true now because there's so many variety of platforms to choose from. And keeping that in mind, the brand has to be very, very cautious with the way they approach storytelling. And not just that, the way um, <clears throat> marketers approach feedback through different platforms also must be looked at. Ultimately, again, all of this will fail if you don't have a great product or a service to talk about. And coming from a consumer healthcare company, <clears throat> the product itself is essential. We take pride in our safety and our quality and all the protocols that go towards creating the product, but our FMCH or consumer healthcare companies talking about it 
well, that's another story. So again, you know, when if we could talk about it, we would talk about the sourcing capabilities, the transparency trends that are leading the industries right now. And now let's talk about relevance. <clears throat> the thing about relevance is that <clears throat> at the moment, our shoppers are not misinformed. And that is something major as a marketeer. We are shifting our mindset to understand. And it's actually shaping the way we think. Information is everywhere now. And as a marketeer, we cannot control the amount of information that is out there, especially because there's feedback, there's blogs, there's social media posts and videos about your products and services. And the thing is, as a marketeer, one must take this into stride and actually go and see where the information is and actually mine that wealth of information for better opportunities. So it is very important to understand that you need, as a marketeer, as a traditional marketeer right now, we need to unlearn the skill that information can be controlled about your product and service because it cannot be controlled. And the thing is, with the abundance of data, it was traditionally used as a two or three month touch point to see you know, how your TV advertisements did in terms of SOVs or how your market share was performing. But then again, all this is changing. All this is still very, very important. But the thing is the availability of quick data gives you the flexibility of tweaking or changing a campaign direction. So that is why as a marketer, you should be very flexible when it comes to setting campaign KPIs, campaign budget, but also understanding the post-campaign mechanism KPIs as well. And the thing is to remember <clears throat> is that a product lifestyle is forever and the spotlight on a brand is forever. And the other thing is that consumers dictate. <clears throat> so we need, to, we need to live with it. So gone are the days when only the brand would talk to a consumer about a product. <clears throat> now it is more of a dialogue between the consumer um, and the brand. And in certain timeframes, it's also a buzz that happens. Understanding the consumer at the particular time of the day, analyzing their nav shopper navigation behavior, their behavior in e-commerce, you should actively listen in, and then you, that's how you should use influencer marketing. You should co-create with them, and that is how product ideas come about in order to stay relevant for a brand. And the thing is, it's also not just marketing as a function that needs to understand this. Other functions like R&D, product development, also must come into the conversation because you know they will get to see how their product is being used. Are they using the products for any kind of hacks? Are there any defects? So all of this needs to come together as a total function of the different functions of a, of a true traditional marketing company and come together. <clears throat> the other important way to survive <clears throat> in this is taking risk. And the thing is for marketeers in, in traditional marketing firms, there's a hierarchy of decision makers. So marketing folks right now um, who are as old as me or who have my experience must be willing to take the risk and to stand up to the management and actually talk about, hey, you know what, let's invest here so that we can break the mindset that is currently uh, in the traditional marketing firms. So open conversations are very, very necessary to 
extremely to like really survive in this extreme world of you know digital marketing as well and the thing is with all of this right now it brings me to the three most important strategies that as a marketer i use to learn and to survive in this ever changing world so the thing is think about the clutter that that's out there consumers now have the ability to skip ads they have the ability to hide ads that are not relevant for them they don't have to sit through and watch a commercial that they're not interested in there are options available for the consumers but a world without advertisements well as a marketer i really can't think of that but do you know that all of you in the audience you would probably have a brand in mind that makes you smile or you know makes you feel good about it and even as consumers even though you have numerous choices you would always fall back on that brand why is that why do you why does a brand make you feel that way well just bluntly and simply put it's all about authenticity marketers should focus on brand authenticity all the time but let me correct that in the sense that you know corporates should focus on brand or industry authenticity all the time this looks at the very top executives that are the pall bearers of the brand like you know they're on linkedin they post something they post something on facebook they should be very very conscious and ensuring that brand authenticity is emitted through them as well the brilliant example of swatch that you see here is that it's very true when it comes to brand authenticity even when it comes to their collaborations and partnerships so when you think of swiss made you think of the precision you think of it being expensive but what has swatch done swatch stands for affordable luxury and just look at the swatch watch uh, the swatch watches like price point and the thing is interestingly swatch partnerships with top artists and top museums it's another thing and recently they they partnered uh with a museum in in France i don't think i'm pronouncing the name correctly it's centre pompidou to showcase the famous paintings that hangs in that gallery and the thing is they are making art fashionable and they're making art <clears throat> affordable just how they this is exactly the way how they stand for swiss uh swiss made they are making this affordable this painting here is is a painting by modigliani and the thing is he was a contemporary of picasso and the thing is what's interesting is that this painting can be appreciated in a watch in an affordable way and the thing is that this kind of collaboration is not new swatch has been doing this since the 1980s and it basically is driving swatch to be a differentiator in the watch industry because they are just being authentic and they stand true to what they stand for the other example of being authentic is from my previous experience when i worked in gsk so gsk uh gsk consumer healthcare not the halion that we know now gsk consumer healthcare um when it still had the parent leg of the gsk pharma company always came from the brand perspective of being being the being knowledgeable and being an expert therefore every piece of material that went <clears throat> to the consumers and to the healthcare professionals were scrutinized crazily by by our internal regulatory team internal legal team and internal medical team even the customer care service line they were trained 
by these departments to ensure that the same kind of brand voice would be true when it came to consumer complaints and consumer feedback. It'll be interesting to see how GSK changes its brand voice now that it's Halion and now that it's um, moved past its farmer kind of background. <clears throat> the other thing is that consumer healthcare companies, we also use influencers. And for activating influencer marketing, it also comes down to brand authenticity. We do a thorough background check of how the influencers gained their followers. We do a background check on their political and their beliefs, and then we see if it fits to the brand persona or not. Again, I would like to take you back to the example of GSK of when I worked. So I worked with this brand called Sensodyne, and Sensodyne is synonymous with uh, dental science when it comes to sensitivity. And in Sensodyne ads, we always used real dentists in our advertisements. And in order to get these real dentists, no, we did not look at the fan following. We did not look to see how popular these dentists were. We basically used our medical marketing uh, teams and we would identify the dentists that had the true belief of the Sensodyne's science. So in terms of that, being authentic with the way you choose influencers was practiced through and through. And this is why when other ads like Colgate or Oral-B tried to like, you know, replicate the ads using a white coat as a dentist, the misattribution always benefited Sensodyne as a brand. And this is talking from experience in Middle East. So again, authenticity is super, super important. And the thing is now in this digital world, <clears throat> It's very, very tempting to actually talk to consumers differently. But it is important for brand managers to really adhere to the fact that, that you know, you need to have like one voice and one personality when it comes to the different mediums, because there's so many different mediums that are out there. And for consumer healthcare companies, yes, like advertisements could be regulated. Um, they're probably boring, but the thing is, you need to be very clear to your, on your brief to your agencies. Instagram and TikTok, yes, these are platforms that the brands can use, but how to use them, you should still stick to your brand authenticity. Because then again, brand authenticity drives brand image, brand trust, and also ultimately purchase intention. The next thing that I basically focus in and as marketers we focus in is consumer journey. And more and more, it is, it is becoming very apparent that it's not as simple anymore. It's not a wonderful funnel where it's just things just smoothly drive through and then, you know, you just start purchasing the, the goods and services. It's very, very convoluted. And the other thing is that drop-off rates are very, very high. And the thing is that for FMCG companies, the consumer journey is not really the optimized one. So you have a journey for awareness, you have a journey for consideration, you have a separate journey for advocacy. And for consumer healthcare companies where we are selling in traditional trade as well as e-commerce, the journeys are very different. And what I'm afraid to say is that in traditional marketing companies, departments don't probably, they probably run their own kind of consumer journeys. So it's time to like, you know, wake up and to get the different departments to work together so that the consumer journeys can be integrated. And I believe that, you know, every six months, there needs to be a refreshment of the consumer journeys so that we can continuously improve 
and continuously start looking for new opportunities. And finally, I would like to come to <clears throat> the aha moment. The aha moment, what is that? Well, it's the moment of wow. It's the, it's the moment of I get it now. It's the moment of how the hell did I overlook this? The insight is the one that gives you instant connection to your consumers. And the thing is that the aha moment, it has really, really evolved as consumer insights uh, has evolved. And the thing is, historically speaking, it keeps changing. So it's not the same anymore. And there are many places to consider consumer insights. And one would have to go through various data points and draw insights, which pans through like multiple kind of realms of information. And brands are still tracking their brand uh, kind of performance through brand health trackers, but a more continuous monitoring is important. And consumer insights is very important to understand the answers to what a business, like what a business faces day to day. Like why did my sales dip this past month? Or how do we influence Gen Z? Or how do we premiumize our products? Um, or how do we get a, a longer lifetime value? So using tactical data and analysis, FMCG companies can use this to uncover new channels and new product opportunities that they might have or that they might have been ignoring for a while. So one should not be dependent on the data sources in silos, but use them in tandem. And brand managers should take out time to sit with their digital marketing counterparts and have open discussions with their sales colleagues, their CRM colleagues, to actually work together to find out the right consumer insights. Social listening is one such example that I want to highlight. For years, um, when I was marketing Panadol Cold and Flu, we only used to market Panadol Cold and Flu during the change of the weather seasons. And in a market like Singapore, it would happen twice a year. And the thing is, you know, population growth is not that big in Singapore. So how does one brand grow revenue of this? What we found out was that cold and flu occasions also historically had always been the same in the sense that there was no seasonality change. So it was just the two season changes that we would see the monsoon season and then also coming around September, that would be the ones where we would market cold and flu. And we, like price increase could only get you in one place. So what did we do? We had to find a way to increase the number of occasions uh, for a person to purchase Panadol cold and flu. And through social listening, we found out that the propensity to buy Panadol cold and flu increased right before the holiday seasons. And then again, this is before the pandemic. So we adjusted our SEOs and our YouTube targeted ads and messaging was basically tweaked at the end, which said, don't fall sick before your holidays. And there it, it helped us because from that targeted messaging, we found that, you know, we found another occasion to sell Panadol cold and flu. So to recap, using traditional marketing values, personality and tonality, Please do ensure that authenticity is still valued and this will make you stand out from the clutter. Consumer journeys that were linear ones, you need to continuously scrutinize the data and listen to your consumers and amalgamate and improve and you should tell your story and you should continue refining consumer insights for new opportunities. 
And the thing is, no matter how old or new <clears throat> the medium is, um, one cannot let go the uh, traditional values of marketing. And as you see here, the if you see that thing that that has the it shows an example of cattle branding, you know it it ensures that you know the farmer that had that cattle they probably thought of that brand they probably said that my quality of meat is better than yours and if you see this you'll ensure that you know you are getting good quality meat, and then you have the television which gave you the which gave you the opportunity to tell long form stories, and then you have Tiffany and Co which is an iconic brand the way it uses Instagram to tell a story and the way it uses to stand out. So then again, with all of this in mind, one must continue evolving. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the official Digimarcon podcast. Digimarcon is the largest digital marketing, media and advertising conference and exhibition event series in the world holding in-person and hybrid events in over 40 cities annually across 22 countries, as well as virtual events and an international cruise. Learn more about upcoming Digimarcon events near you at digimarcon.com events. Thanks again for listening to the official Digimarcon podcast.